in a world that has more than enough information and noise. Is it even possible to truly anchor ourselves and have peace in a scattered world? Hi, this is Pamela and Mary, and we are a mother-daughter team who span two generations but share one message. We will delve into what it looks like to be fully integrated, body, soul, and spirit, and will bring encouragement and hope all along the way. We get it. Life is hard. And let's be real. Hard doesn't even begin to describe it on some days. But we want you to know that you're not alone. And not only that, we are here to come alongside you and cheer you on as you walk out your individual storyline. So join us as we journey together and laugh, cry, and everything in between. Welcome to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey, Ma. Good morning, Mary. I am dying to know what is the weather out there today because I think we could almost maybe meet you or beat you this morning. Really? In little sweet North Carolina, it is like with wind chill five below this morning. It's gone on for days. Go ahead. I know you can beat it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, we're we're right around there. I feel like we're we're not near as bad as it was a couple weeks ago. It's so funny. I actually like screenshotted when I had to go to Miami for work last week. The morning I flew out, the wind chill was negative 30 in Kansas City. It was horrible, like horrible. I always used to say, oh, anything below 20 is cold. Like it doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, no, negative 30 is terrible. It feels like your your skin is like ripping off. It's horrible. That sounds awful. So I get on the plane, it's negative 30, and then I get to Miami and it's 70. So it is a hundred <laughs> degree difference. Oh, a story <laughs> for the ages. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then when I flew back to KC, it was like negative five or something, wind chill. So, and there's snow all over the ground and all the things. So just trying to relent to the fact that there's still a lot more winter. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And especially for you, that's what happens when you live in the Midwest. So (laughs) you made your Yes, You made your bed. You could be right next door to me here in North Carolina. (laughs) That's true. So today we are going to be talking about what it looks like to allow God to ask us his questions. Now, what do we mean by that, Mom, when I say that? Yeah, okay. Well, I think I was just, I stumbled upon this when I don't even remember how it doesn't matter. But I stumbled upon the questions that God asks or Jesus has asked. And so it was just just like fun facts to know. And as I stumbled upon it, I actually was so overtaken with it and so drawn in to the idea of, I don't know, it's just, it's it was, first of all, just so, so powerful to think that the God of the universe asks a question to a human being as well as Jesus. Now, we know yeah. the Spirit teaches and talks to us like that often. But something about it seems so sacred and so holy, like, I don't know, I sort of got into it. I I think it's just very interesting to think about. And as I began to see how interesting and deep those questions were, it really reminded me how often God skips straight to something that is the heart of a matter. That, That just drew me in to really think about that, I guess, in the bigger picture, how quickly he brings things to the heart of whatever's going on. Yeah, we want to come up with so many reasons and excuses of why we're doing something or not doing something. And the Lord just with a phrase so many times in scriptures just cuts to the heart of it, not to shame us, but just to reveal our hearts and to expose what's really going on. So I think that really it's basically just wanting to cut 
to the heart of things. And so we're going to be talking about some ways that the Lord's done that in scriptures and then how the Lord's doing that in our lives, or will we allow him to do that in our lives? This is a great jumping off point for uh, a morning quiet time or something that you might want to dig a little further when you're on that journey that we've been talking about to sit alone with the Lord and really go deeper in your story. Some of these questions would be great questions to ask yourselves as you're thinking about trying to do some sort of timeline of your story or do more journaling. So with that said, I'll just say one of the things that came to my mind is that we're being asked questions every day. Like it just dawned on me. I mean, really at the end of the day, we think in terms of this propaganda, let's say, that we're being saturated in other people's ideas, whether it's what toilet paper to buy or somebody's opinion on social media or this movie I just watched that is having such an impact on me. But at the end of it all, even if I don't realize that I'm questioning something about myself or another person or something about life, if I'm being impacted at all. So all these things, preachers, teachers, media, all of it together, we're being influenced, of course. And we all, we all would agree with that. The thing is, is that we're walking away oftentimes with these lingering questions that we're not even realizing, but they're having impact and we might be responding to them in one way or another. I would say that at the same time, it's a little quieter, but the Spirit of God is oftentimes asking us very quietly, what do you believe? Or where are you on this thing? And so I think this is something to just start being aware of, that this is being positioned right before our hearts and our faces often way more than we're realizing that our brain and our heart is making decisions on things in the smallest and tiniest of ways. Yeah, I know that a long time ago, I don't know, probably a decade ago, the Lord started doing that in my life. And the phrase that he would ask me was, why not? And you and I have talked about this a lot. He would just use this phrase whenever I was like, oh, I don't know if I should I do this thing. Or I remember it was probably one of the first times uh, over a decade ago that I was like feeling like I should say this encouraging thing to this stranger or something. And I was like, I don't know. Should I? Is that from you? I don't know. Should I do that? And I just heard the Lord be like, well, why would you not? Exactly. And super simple, super simple. But it was to reveal my heart. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. And he's like, what, what's the harm of it? And it, like, maybe there could have been, but the Lord was just this simple phrase that cut through all the junk and all the excuses and all the, well, I mean, ah, and it was just like, well, why, why wouldn't you? Mm. And so I feel like the Lord has since then used that so many times when mm. I'm just feeling like either making an excuse for something or feeling swirly or about something. And the Lord's just like, well, why wouldn't you do that? Or why not? Yes. And sometimes it works the opposite direction. Meaning I remember thinking about sending my son to this particular school several years ago. And I was like, I don't know if I should do that, Lord. I don't know. I don't know. I see all the good things and the bad things. And I felt like the Lord asked me that question of, well, why not? Why wouldn't you? I'm not saying that the Lord was asking me to make a pro and con list. It was like the initial gut heart reaction of, why wouldn't you do that? And I was like, well, Lord, there's these big reasons of why I wouldn't. And I felt like the Lord at the time and my heart and my spirit was like, those are good reasons, Mary. Meaning like it was exposing my heart, these gut level heart responses of what's in your heart right now? What's really in your heart? Like cutting down all the noise, all the fluff and getting down to that basis of what's really going on here. 
I just have had similar experiences. Just these small little kinds of questions that I feel like God has asked me. And it seems like each decade that goes by, I maybe can notice them. I'm not saying I hear God speak to me out loud, but I'm saying that the older I get, if I'm if I'm being intentional at all to uh, run something by him or or just wrestle with him about something, I mean, it's just like he'll ask me this tiniest of question, and it always, almost always, reveals my heart too. So I'm I'm not sure how that works for other people, but I do think that when we see so much of this dialogue in Scripture, from prophets to people, and God is speaking to the prophet, and the prophet speaks to the person, or where God just basically speaks to the person directly. I think, again, this is just something for us to pay attention to today, because I think the fact is, is that God, he's always speaking, and he's always looking for us. But of course, this is the main thing to say before we move on to the questions, is that is God ever asking those questions because he needs understanding or he doesn't know the answer? So, so we just want to start by saying that is never ever, ever the case. Right. We, we want to start with that. So some people will kind of take this whole idea of God's questions to humanity in a way that's just very rhetorical. That God is asking a question that he knows he knows. He knows he's just trying to make a point. I'm saying not all of God's questions are rhetorical. They're meant to arouse and to think and to contemplate and to get to the heart, as we just said a minute ago. But I do want to acknowledge this rhetorical type question God will ask, which is really beautiful. A great example of that is found in the book of Job. In the book of Job, there's like right at the end of the book, there's these last three, four chapters that God is using a lot of rhetoric. And so I'm just going to name one of them is Job chapter 38. And in that one, he talks about the most beautiful things. I mean, he's saying things like, where were you? When the waters found the boundary that I set the boundaries for the ocean waters, where were you when I walked in the deep of the earth when no one else has ever been or will ever be? And when the sun rose in it, where were you with the sun rising and it closing? And where were you when I was arranging the stars in a way that was exactly perfection? Okay, and what is the point of that? So that point with those questions are, they're rhetorical, but what are they saying? They're saying something beautiful that you can never, will never, ever, ever be able to reach into the places where I walk and stand as the God of the universe. Yes, but even those, I mean, as we talk about the Lord's questions, the purpose of them being revealing and exposing our heart. I mean, yes, that's clearly a rhetorical question, but also the purpose of it is, yeah, where were you? You were nowhere to be found because who is sovereign above all? Who is above everything? So it's exposing and cutting to the heart of that issue of, you know, we're not going to get into this banter, Job. Yes. Let's just cut to the chase, right? And the context of that, of course, was that very thing because Job, Job's friends were messing with his head and making him think things that he couldn't have any knowledge of. And so God just right. broke in into the midst of all that. To say, hey, as far as you, Joe, go, forget about your friends. Let's you and I have a conversation because let me just tell you how high and mighty and full of power and glory I am so that you can know that all is well in your life today that I yes. see and I hear and I'm with you. Yeah, some questions that I 
have really loved. And it's not necessarily by Jesus, but I guess it's by a prophet. So he's representing Jesus. I see that a lot. Yes, exactly. In the Old Testament. But I've always been fascinated by First Samuel and the story of Saul. I think just because of so many different things of how God took away his kingdom and gave it to David and just the differences between Saul and David and just all the things. I'm just intrigued and just in awe of how God worked in those storylines. I think such a good example of, of these questions is in 1 Samuel 13, when Saul had not waited for Samuel to come and make the sacrifice. He was waiting and waiting to go into battle to make a sacrifice because that's what you had to do is to wait for the the high priest. Was he a high priest, I think? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, a high priest to to make this sacrifice. And he had waited seven days and the people were... So he went and made the sacrifice himself. And Samuel comes back to him. He doesn't say how many days later or whatever, but uh, Samuel comes and says to him, what have you done? Mm-hmm. What have you done? That's it. That's the question. What have you done? Well, first of all, I'm sure Jesus told him what he done or he had heard about what he did, right? So again, Back to the rhetorical question, do we even really need an answer for that? Yes. It's exposing his heart. And he had an opportunity at that moment. At that moment, he had an opportunity. And that's what I, I feel like with all these questions that I've read and that I feel like the Lord asked me. He's like, you have an opportunity right now to allow the Lord to expose your heart or to continue to put up walls and to continue to make excuses and not repent. And we see Saul do that this time of making excuses after excuses after excuses of why he did this. He was not allowing the question to cause him to repent. Yes. Uh, we see the same thing happen in in 1 Samuel 15 after Saul goes into battle and fights. And Samuel clearly tells him to kill every single living thing. And he destroys every living thing, but he keeps the valuable animals or what he deems is valuable animals. And he kills all the weak things and all the weak, weak animals. And so Samuel comes to Saul and Saul immediately says to him, blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the commands of the Lord. I know. I like, love that line. Yes. I'm like, wow. You know, you're really like, yeah, putting your best foot forward there, Saul. <laughs> and uh, Samuel immediately says, oh God, I love this line. Why then is this the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? <laughs> it's like a little sarcasm there, Samuel. <laughs> And why then do I hear the bellowing of the oxen? And immediately Saul begins to what? Make excuses. Yes. And justify. And it's like, you had the opportunity right then. Who knows what God would have done or how that works if he would have turned and repented like David did, King David. And so I think these questions are to expose our hearts and then give us an opportunity to repent. Yes, a hundred percent. They're unto life. Again, the point of them for the vast majority of these questions that God or Jesus asks to a human being is sometimes our hearts to be revealed in something maybe that we have done wrong, some way we have sinned and we're hiding it. And so God is just trying to sort of open that door, like you're saying, to have this conversation. You can come to me. You can get into my lap. You can be cleansed today. But it's not God is not coming to shame us in that way. I I think this is God wooing us continually with these questions to closer intimacy, to another conversation with him, to a heart to be turned, like you just said, into repentance. That's what most of this is all about. And I think this is really what the cry of the prophets was was that in the generic picture, all those Old 
Testament prophets were basically speaking what we're saying is these conversations that God has sometimes with man directly, but the prophets were doing the same thing. Thus saith the Lord. That's what they're saying. They're saying, this is yes. what God told me and I'm telling you, repent, mm -hmm. come, let us reason together. That's what God actually said in one verse. This idea that let us reason together, sit with me so that you can see how much you need me and I can cleanse you and make you white as snow. I just find it fascinating that God would speak directly to a man, to a yeah. person, to a creature. And that's so moving to us when we can begin to get lost in our way with God and seeing him as more of a religion or a law than we see with him being an actual personhood who wants to encounter his creation. That kind of takes so much the legs off of those chairs that are sitting in the place of saying God cannot be known. He's too high and he's too far away. Yeah. So, yeah, I have some other questions, too, that I'm a big fan of Genesis. I, I love Genesis very much. But, you know, one of those first questions in the whole Bible is, where are you? Where are you? If I would think about these questions more, and I'm trying to do that now, where are you? What's happening in that scenario? Adam and Eve are running and hiding. Then the next one is, who told you that you were naked? So these questions are being asked by the enemy, and they're listening to those questions, and their minds are changing about trusting God. So these questions is oftentimes can be from the enemy as well in our lives. The enemy is asking questions that he thinks are rhetorical, like, see where you are now? See right. what happened when you trusted God in this? They're rhetorical in a way that implies that, see, God, he's, he can't be trusted. He doesn't even care about you. This kind of dialogue coming down the funnel now to our soul and our emotions of our spirit man is that, man, we can really be messed with listening to the wrong questions. Yeah, absolutely. Listening to the wrong presumptions. I love that. Who told you that you're naked? What is that? That's what God is asking. And he's really talking about, you didn't have shame when I created you. There's been no reason for there to be shame. Why are you running and hiding and covering yourself now? Every one of these questions, we can really apply to ourselves in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think too, and we've talked about in different episodes about pausing and like these stop signs and how God just wants to try to get us to slow down, like slow your roll. We're just like plummeting, steamrolling ahead. And I feel like what these questions do is allow us to pause. We're just steamrolling ahead in our decisions or our, our thought processes. And we just assume either in sin or just in life, like we don't even know we're sinning or we, we might know that we're sinning, but kind of just justifying it and steamrolling ahead. And these questions allow us to really pause. And I think it's like these neural pathways we talk about. Sometimes if we just take one thing at a time, I think this would be one of the greatest ones we could start with when we've talked a lot about rewiring our brains to think on what is true and to be in that train of thought versus all the other negative and dark things that we could think about. One of the greatest things, and we gave this idea of pausing a, a, a whole episode, I think, didn't we, Mary? Yeah. But, but in that, this is what we think is one of the highest and best places to start in terms of trying to build a new brain habit, a new brain pathway, and that is to just pause. Yeah. Just to pause. 
And so in this pausing, it can come in a myriad of ways. But anytime, anything you feel that is fantastic and beautiful and lovely, or that you feel is so dark and so overwhelming and you feel so anxious in any given moment, both beautiful or dark, I would say we don't pause for either one as often as we could or should because it's meant to be a sign. We talk about the stop sign. This is meant to be a time if it's beautiful and lovely and takes your breath away. My goodness, it is easier, but we can still bypass that moment to just pause. We're on yellow now. We're on caution. Pause so that we can sit for just the smallest moment to worship and praise and thank God for this beautiful thing. At the same time, it's very easy to pass go on the negative things and just let those start snowballing down Mount Everest. They just are collecting more anxiety and more darkness and more worry. If at the beginning we could start practicing a pause, we've talked a lot about the ways that you can pause. But if we would pause, I believe that we can hear what God wants to say in that instant. Yes. And and I think I've shared this before. I had this little, I can't remember the chorus, uh, what the real song was, but it just has like three or four lines to the chorus, uh, a worship song. And I just realized that if I would just pause and sing that 30 second little chorus, maybe 60 second in my head, but I used words that reminded me, God is good. He's beautiful and he's safe to me today. It would just, it was, it was like magical. Some will get offended. I use the word magical. I don't really mean magical. I mean, it happens so quickly, like instantaneously that God will come and flood us with his presence and his peace. And I'm telling you, you can just chop the legs right off the darkness at that moment. These can come in the form of a question. God asks you something you see, something you've just heard. In all these ways, God is saying to us in these circumstances that are crossing our paths all day long, where are you now? Yes. Or something terrible we've done. Like, what is this? Let's, let's talk through this together. What caused you to do this? Where was I, you know, what, what made you take this on in so many ways? And I love the one from the boat with Jesus. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Mm -hmm. Fear cutting to the chase of where they all had a meltdown. What are you afraid of? Why are you so afraid? I love that. And one of my favorite ones in the new Testament is who touched me? That woman He didn't need to know her name. She'd been bleeding for most of her life. And and when you were a bleeding woman that could never stop bleeding, if you don't know, the the fallout for that was going to be horrific. How she would have been outcast and treated. But God says, who touched me? And behind that was going to be that I've known you from before you were born. I've watched you suffer like this. Do you want to be healed? In all these kinds of questions, God is just about to do the miraculous. And he just wants our hearts arrested enough to say, I believe. I believe in you. I don't understand how these things work, but I believe in you, Jesus. This is what he's asking us, I think, in all these questions. Lots of amazing ones, all good ones. But I think they're all intended for this last category that I call revelation. And I think... They're meant for life. They're always meant unto life. 
to take us deeper in our trust and to remove our fears and those fear doors that we have in our life so that he can come closer to us, but more so that we can come closer to him yes. by his, because of his nearness. Yeah, I know another question that I feel like the Lord has just asked me in recent years, really simple of what is the fruit of this? Just really simple. What would be the fruit of that? Before I steamroll ahead of like, oh, I'm going to have this conversation or I'm going to do this thing or I'm even going to post this thing on social media. Again, we just do so many things Gosh. without thinking. Mm. And it's just that pause, that pause and hearing the Lord being like, okay, what's the fruit of that? It's not always like to catch us in an act, but just right. to expose our hearts of pause a second. Why are, why are you doing that? Why? And so much of the time it's to reveal our hearts of like, oh, yep, that's pretty much just to make myself look better or for self-promotion <laughs> or to cover my own butt. You know what I mean? Exactly. And the Lord's like, are you willing to not beat around the bush and make excuses? And the Lord's like, I already know why. I already know why you're doing this. Oh, gosh. I mean, I feel like God is definitely doing that in my life particularly in my 60s, because we just get a little more solidified the older we get. Yep. And yeah. um, but my motives is something God has been shining a light on in, yes. in these last weeks. And um, I'm telling you, it is just, I don't know, so sad. And, and we just are filled yeah. with so much sorrow when we see those motives just are not fully full of light. They're just not right. perfectly clear. They're right. self-involved. You just think you just did this thing. And then he just so slightly, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? Right. right. And it goes to the motive. Why? Why did you do that? Why did right. you say that? Oh, it just almost brings me to tears right now. It's yeah. I don't know why. It's like you can begin to feel like you're in this place with Jesus that he is truly your greatest friend and companion and husband and brother and all these things. And then you see, you just, you just feel like you've cheated on a person you love so much. Yeah. It, it, it feels worse now than it did when I was younger. I just skim right over all those things and just mow anybody yes. down right in front of me. Yeah. And I think that's the heart of it. Cause it's like, oh gosh, Lord, is, is that your purpose to just be like, yeah, see, look what a worm you are. Right. Exactly. Like, no, exactly. not at all. And not to shame us and to catch us in the act. And like, oh, you thought you were doing well. Well, you suck. You know, yeah, it's like, no, not um, at all. No, that's exactly. not the Lord's heart. And it's just these subtle, sweet reminders of the Lord's like, I don't want anything left hidden. Mm. And anything left in the darkness. And because I love you so much, I'm going to reveal every little weed and every little thing, if you'll let me, to expose it and call it out for what it is. Yes. So no, 100%. That is not God's motive. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is always for the purpose of love and grace and transformation so that we're not continuing on a path where we believe something that is erroneous about our own hearts, how will we then ever change if God doesn't step in with his mercy to very gently expose what's happening? I agree with you completely, Mary, that this is not about God calling us out as worms or trying in any way to make us feel shame, but all of it is his mercy when he reveals the hidden places of our heart. How else will we know? Yeah. Do would we prefer to be deceived about yes. that? And and would we miss the opportunity for God growing us more and more because there's always more in this life 
where we can grow into his very likeness and his heart and his mind. We want to welcome those questions. We want to be wide open with our trust of God, knowing that his purposes and his motives are always for our good to make us more like him and his image. I, I ran across something off the internet, but it's from a book called Blessed Broken Given. That's the name of the book, Blessed Broken Given by a guy named Glenn Packiam. One of the reasons he gives in this book about the motives of God in his interactions with us on this more personal level, asking us these questions. And he calls it intervention. He's saying, when God has you in a place where he's speaking to you in this tender, personal way, but he's asking you any questions, he's not trying to interrogate you. There's no interrogation because he already knows everything. Okay, but he postures this in a way that says this is an interrogation. It's an intervention. I love that because I've known a lot of addicts in my life. There's been some, a lot in my family and a lot of people I know struggle yeah, with I all kinds that. of addiction. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I love that the heart behind an intervention is fully unto life. It's the people who love you the most, who will speak into your life and speak truth to you. And he actually uses a story in this book that is one of my favorite stories. I think I even talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but it's about Hagar. It's like a two minute read. So I'm just going to read you this little, little blip here. And this is one of the other reasons I'm saying is that God literally sometimes is asking you these questions for the sake of your very life. There's an intervention going on with the Holy Spirit and with you. And this is this story. God found Hagar by a well in the wilderness. She had stopped at a spring for what could have been one last drink. And then an angel of the Lord met her there and called her by name. Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? Great classic question. Where have you been and where are you going? Yes, God was aware of her station in life and he knew that she was a female Egyptian slave. He also knew her name and he asked those questions. When God asks a question, sometimes he's not launching an interrogation, but he's staging an intervention. These two questions were about origin and destiny. Where have you come from and where are you going? Hagar thought she knew her origin and her destiny, where she had come from and where she was going. But God was about to rewrite her story. God told Hagar to go back to Abraham's house, not because God condoned Sarah's mistreatment of her, but because there was no other way for Hagar to be saved. She would die in the wilderness. But in Abraham's house, she would still be covered by the blessing. God's hand was on that household, and Hagar would benefit from it deeply. She would be sustained and fed, and when the time came for her to leave, God would provide for her and her son in a new way. For the time being, God wanted her to know there was a way for her to share in the blessing. She was not an outsider. She was not unnamed and unseen. He knew her name. And he saw her. The angel said to Hagar, 
I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. Do you catch that? This was because of Abraham's blessing. This was the same promise that rested and was restated when God made a covenant with Abraham in the chapter right before the Hagar story that his offspring would be like the stars, too many to count. Right from the beginning, God made it clear. He wants everyone to be able to get in on this blessing. He desires all to be swept up in his saving and redeeming love. When Hagar understood this, she was in awe. She hadn't just seen a concept or an attribute of God. She had seen God himself. This is what God is like. Later, Moses would glimpse God and know that he is abounding in mercy and rich in love. But long before the great prophet, Moses would see it. The female Egyptian slave, Hagar, saw it. God sees you. God hears your cry. God knows your name. Forget the names you hear in your head. Never mind the other names you've been called or the ones you've called yourself because you are not an outsider. You are not unnamed and unseen. God is rewriting your story, changing the way you answer the question of where you've come from and where you're going. The way your story began is not the way it will end. Your family of origin will not have the final say about who you are, and your current trajectory is not fixed, and your future is not predetermined. Your life will be a journey, and it will not be easy, but God has found you in the desert, and he wants you to know the blessing is for you. I just wanted to read this because I, I, this so resonated with me about what we're trying to do here on More Than Enough is that every one of us, this is a level playing field. God loves and sees each of us completely in fullness and in truth and with eyes of love as our creator. And that we would just glean that today because some of us really are in that intervention season. If God, you don't break through, where will I go? What will I do? My son, my precious son, will die here in the desert. We just want to close with that to say, we love you. Thank you for joining us. And we bless you with all these questions that God has that can help, again, remind us who we are and what he has for us. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the More Than Enough podcast. We are still busy behind the scenes setting up our website, but for now, if you would like to stay up to date or follow along, you can follow us on Instagram at Ames Girls. That's A-M-E-S-G-I-R-L-S. We know that because we're a newer podcast, one of the best ways for people to find us is through reviews. So if you would take just a few minutes and write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we would be so grateful. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we look forward to chatting it up again with you next week. Have a lovely week.